Hey, everybody. Before we jump into today's episode talking about Beetlejuice, I just want to let you know that this episode may contain content that might be alarming to some listeners. Beetlejuice touches on the subject of suicide, and we talk a little bit about that today. Please check the show notes, and I'll provide a time code for when we talk about the subject, just in case that's something you might want to skip over. Thanks for listening, and we'll jump into the show. Welcome to Movies Are Live. I'm your host, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Be- okay, it, it's October, and I love discussing spooky movies. So we are continuing the trend this month and discussing the 1988 fantasy horror comedy film Beetlejuice. Oh crap! I just I just said it for the third time. I think I think we're safe. Instead of the self-proclaimed bio exorcist, I have a guest with me instead that I have known for a long time. It's my sister, Jesse Ward. Hi there. How are you? Hi. <laughs> we go back, like way back. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've known you ever since you were born almost. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was the ultimate dad joke right there. So yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, well, before we jump into this, if uh, I'm going to give a little background on the movie, just in case, I, I feel like a lot of people have seen uh, Beetlejuice, but uh, this was a supremely popular 80s film. Uh, the plot revolves around a recently deceased couple, played by Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis, who are now ghosts in their former home. They are not happy about the house's new owner, so they contact Beetlejuice, acted by the beloved Michael Keaton, an obnoxious and perverted ghoul from the netherworld, to help scare and get rid of the new inhabitants. The film is directed by Tim Burton. And although this wasn't his first film, uh, I think it's definitely a film that made him a household name and kind of put him on the map. Its success spawned an animated television series, which I've actually never seen, uh, video games. And I don't know if you know this, Jesse, a 2018 stage musical. Did you know that? Yeah. And I looked it up. It's on Broadway right now, but it's going to be closing uh, this January. So uh, you have a little time. Uh, if you need to, I'm interested <laughs> in the stage production of that, just the visuals, like how did they build this? What did they do with this? Yeah. 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 It's intriguing. I, I can, I can kind of see it actually. So, um, well, this movie was released in the prime of my childhood. I was around seven when, uh, it, it was originally released and I am like almost certain that I didn't see it in the theater, but it's something that. I saw in, in early childhood and I, I think I, I don't think it was like a staple, but I feel like I've saw it quite a bit. Um, but I, I think maybe probably not too many times. Cause I remember being intrigued by this movie as a kid and obvious for obvious reasons. I think, I think because of all the styles, you know, the style that's to this movie, but I mean, I know that there's just specific scenes that probably scared me. So that's probably why I didn't uh, come, you know, come back to it a whole lot because you know 1988 pg horror is a lot different now than like a pg film like hotel transylvania <laughs> that's out there now you know so i i mean what about you i know you had seen this before but um yeah i um i feel like the same like it felt like a childhood staple like we saw it more than once maybe or maybe it just left that big of an impression on me that i felt like we saw it all the time and yeah, there especially as I was rewatching it 
there are definitely parts that's like, oh yeah, that really scared me. Yeah, yeah. That There's really very, very me. memorable scenes that uh, I, for sure, as a child, just cemented in your head. You know, I mean, it's scary as an adult too. Like if you're someone that doesn't enjoy spooky things, um, like I could definitely see our cousin Emily being like, no, I'm turning this off. I'm done. Um, yeah, I feel like there are so many movies we grew up with that it's like, was this okay <laughs> that we watched this at this age? And especially now with my kiddos, they're both little and just trying to navigate like, oh, I really like that movie, but oh, it has this in it. And oh, yeah, the PG rating is very different, like yeah. you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think I think a big difference now for sure is selection, right? There's just mm -hmm. I think so much more, you know, that you know you can choose from, but not just choose from, but just have at your fingertips, so to speak, versus, you know, if if we were with our family and you're trying to find one movie and it's like, okay, this is like maybe something that, you know our parents would enjoy but maybe the kids will like to you know like i, I yeah. just don't think you know and uh so i i, I want to hear what you th thought about this movie uh i think we watched it uh not too long ago a couple of years ago with the girls uh hallie my oldest really really liked it <laughs> and so yeah. i thought it, i thought that was interesting just as a stand you know it kind of even though it feels a little dated from the special effects standpoint but i think as for like a movie, it really, I mean, it still kind of holds up, you know, there's not, uh, I mean, there's certainly styles that kind of date it, but it's in, you know, Tim Burton just creates worlds, uh, that are unique to him. And so it kind of feels a little bit like it stands in time, but yeah, I, I do really like this movie from just a creative standpoint. I, yeah. it, it's, it's almost amazing to me that, I mean, it's a, Beetlejuice is such a weird movie. It's so it's strange. So weird. That's what I was thinking when I rewatched. I was like, and I like weird stuff. I'm into all the weird artsy films, and I was, this is really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> weird. And, I was like, this is weird. Yeah, and the fact that people just, uh, it, you know, it was a really big hit, and that people yeah. just latched onto this, and I, it also proves to me that you can, you know there things just so get so packaged these days and such a crisp like i i think when you do create something that is totally unique even though it might have some offbeat stuff that doesn't appeal to everybody um i do think people love this movie because there's really nothing else like it um yeah. and obviously yeah, I, yeah and uh, as i mentioned i know there's the spinoffs and you know the broadway show but i like the fact that this movie doesn't have a sequel or there hasn't yeah. been a television series and i hope they don't touch it just because it yeah it's it's just so it's so new and i think uh i think hollywood entertainment as a whole you know they're and you hear lots of stories about how afraid they are to try new things yeah and i do think if you try new things and there is good elements to it that people will latch on to it because i i do think this is uh it's not it's not the most perfect film ever so like <laughs> I, like i give it high marks for like originality um 
creatively i mean the production design those things i love yeah it starts losing me towards the end as far as actually like the kind of concept and how things happen but uh i feel like i've disjointed in that way yeah so i I know i I rambled on but did you enjoy this experience now watching it as an adult but also just like i said i was like this movie is bonkers um yeah it kind of feels like the very beginning of all of this weird wonderful 90s stuff like kind of the golden age of weird children's programming right like nickelodeon and all of that and pete and pete and just like just trying zany things just i don't know it just seems like a really pivotal launching off point for that which is something that i enjoyed and um like it also seems like the introduction of like maybe the idea of a cool goth <laughs> like Winona Ryder I don't know how old she's supposed to be in the movie as Lydia but you're saying Hallie had watched it and I'm like well maybe that seems about right like to be interested in movies about girls who are just a few years older than you so it's like I don't know first introduction to like getting these kind of weird spooky offbeat movies that's what really struck me is like this kind of marks the beginning of a new decade of doing that sort of stuff um yeah i just i enjoyed it and i really enjoyed the special effects i don't think this movie would play nearly as well if it had been made digitally and been able to do like digital special effects um Who's the guy who did Jason and the Argonauts? Harry Housen. You know who yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all of those old school, really like almost like claymation special effects. He was the like the guy, Harry Housen. Um, it sort of seemed like a tribute to that in a way. Like, wow, these effects are just like so painstakingly lovingly done and i also just was blown away by the costumes and the sets and how the remodel of the house is like almost more haunted than being a ghost like yeah like you're saying the production aspects of it i guess that's a rambly way to agree with you like yeah the production is amazing um the story just is really 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 strange (laughs) like it's kind of a movie about art because the intrusive couple who moves in the wife is a sculptor but her work is kind of terrible but she's trying to get noticed by the art world and i think she like represents like this big city official art kind of life and in the movie like that's definitely a bad thing she's a terrible person and her art is terrible but um but at the same time like this is the artsiest movie right like i don't know i was kind of struck by that like he's really dissing on this art world snobbery and this city life snob but he's making like one of the weirdest arty movies (laughs) and i was also struck like yeah like you were saying like 
this was such a big movie. And I was wondering about production. I was like, who gave the go ahead on this? Like, yeah, this is gonna be great. Let's give it the money. Let's do it. I don't know how big the actors were at the time, like Catherine O'Hara, but I don't imagine it was a cheap movie to make. So no. who presented the script, who presented the, the vision for it? And they're like, yes, let's make this. And like, I, it just boggles my mind that it is so popular still and that it was as big as it was. I can't imagine something happening like that now, like this kind of movie being given yeah. ahead. Yeah, de definitely. Michael Keaton had some clout, but yeah. uh, I but I don't think even at the level that he would now. Uh, Tim Burton, you know, he had. Uh, I was looking at his IMDb, so it seemed like he did a lot of television stuff before jumping into film. Uh, the he did that Frankenweenie movie. I love in the early like for Disney, and then obviously the big feature that he's known for for before this one is Pee Wee's Big Adventure, mm -hmm. and so which uh, you can definitely see elements uh, from that movie in this movie, but still kind of like you could tell that probably was like Tim Burton trying to get little bits of himself in there and a more kind of traditional script if you could even use traditional and Pee Wee Herman in the same sentence. But yeah. uh but then it was this one. Yeah. And so um G Gina Davis uh and Alec Baldwin uh I, I think I'm not super familiar with his stuff. I actually laughed when I started this movie. I turned to Whitney and I was like, you know, maybe this movies or life podcast should be called the Gina Davis uh podcast because <laughs> we we did a league of their own and then she actually has a very small part in Fletch and uh -huh. so I was like this is the third movie that I've done okay, now with Gina Davis do the fly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so I mean I would think they were named but yeah not certainly not yeah. big household names when I when Ryder was definitely like one of her first uh first movies so yeah I mean it is it is interesting that this you know that this <laughs> <laughs> was made because I feel like the movie you can tell now watching it with uh, older eyes, uh, you could tell that it's trying to say a lot more than I would have maybe thought. Like yeah. you feel like you feel like there's lots of things because there's actually a lot of exposition in this movie. It really uh, is, especially with the handbook, you know, uh, for the recently dece deceased. And I feel like they hit on a lot of stuff, but never probably can go really dive into it. than probably what I imagine the original screenplay uh, did, you know, kind of uh, explore, but um, yeah, I, I do think, I, I do think it has a little something to say. You're right. It being like a very artsy movie. I don't know. I, I think it's kind of almost being critical of both worlds of mm -hmm. uh, this newish artsy world, you know, big city life. But I also think it's kind of poking uh, fun at like more traditionalist of yeah. like country towns. Cause I mean, this couple, it's just wanting to get these new inhabitants out like from the get go, just yeah. because they represent something new, they represent something different. And yeah. so now I, I think overall, this movie is not trying to really make the audience grapple with such things, but <laughs> yeah. I do, I, but I did kind of see that kind of uh, playing like, Oh, okay. I can kind of see this, you know, especially with them. I know 
they're always wearing the clothes that they like died in, but, yeah. uh, you know, but even the, the way they're dressed, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. And then like the, uh, afterlife challenging them to think outside the box of scaring them and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I do, I do think it sets up these kind of, um, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. You have these two sides, which actually, you know, come together at the end. And mm -hmm. Beetle, Beetlejuice, yeah. Beetlejuice is really the like the catalyst between them. He's really the quote unquote bad guy in the movie, even though we're set up to think that the new inhabitants are, but really uh, they're not. But yeah, um, they're not turning into snakes and. <laughs> yeah 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 and so i'm i'm almost uh not hesitant to talk about this but like watching it again I, and i don't know what you thought i almost thought that this movie was in a way trying to uh be uh anti-suicide uh anti-suicide yeah. movie um especially um because most of the uh, I, I forget how you would phrase it but <laughs> when um when Barbara and uh, Adam, is it Adam? Uh, yeah. When, yeah, when they're, they get behind the closed door and, you know, like they, they make allusion to the people that run that office of ghosts have all mm -hmm. taken their own lives in some way. But then yeah. even why not, no writer like kind of starts to write a note, but they like, Barbara and Adam kind of convinced her to like, no, like live your life. Like, you know, yeah. and I thought that was another thing that I picked up on that. Like, Oh, this is, you know, I think it's trying to say a lot with like the, the life that you, you know, live in this world now and, you know, kind of, you know, what you, what you do with it. But, um, it may, I also may be giving way too much credit to the screenplay that is <laughs> <laughs> quirky, to, but it also, it also has a scene where, you know, a, a tiny whorehouse is a constructor yeah. for, for Beetlejuice to live in. A so, to get him out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I know I threw a lot uh, out there, but, uh, well, yeah. I, um, I think that is really interesting because he made the afterlife look so terrible. Like you don't want to go there. You don't want to be stuck in that office. And I think their first encounter with the receptionist, maybe she's like a beauty pageant person. She's green. And yeah. she's like, if I had known now what I knew then, and she holds out her wrist, like, right. Uh -huh. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, they all are just like having to, <laughs> do this grunt work and then with Lydia when um I was re-watching it like I was like oh oh she's writing a suicide note really uh, no. yeah <laughs> uh, I was like that's you know she seems like she likes to be tragic but I wouldn't have gone that far but then I think as it went on it was more like because she wants to be with Barbara and Adam right so is it like creating a new little family yeah of, people she feels like get her um yeah and i'm really glad they like were so quickly like nope see ya i'm out of here and like also that's when she first meets beetlejuice right lydia because um, she's trying to find barbara and adam yeah. yes yeah 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 and really like the more pressing danger in that situation is Beetlejuice because he's unpredictable and he might do something awful to her even though like the suicide letter is a very real and present danger like 
I don't know. So it's like Beetlejuice is like maybe bigger than that. Like it just seemed like, oh, don't do it, Lydia. Don't do it. Don't do it. But I think the whole time we knew Lydia wouldn't do the suicide. Mm -hmm. Maybe they did PG. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Like it, it doesn't glorify death, but it does like give a wonderful opportunity to glorify some costumes and some set designs and just play around with that and have a lot of fun. One thing I forgot to mention, the really the very first thing that popped in my mind when they're like, we're going to do our vacation at home, like after COVID, I'm like, no, don't do it. <laughs> Trap there forever. And then they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's how everyone started out, right? Like we're going to do some home improvements. Yeah. Staycation. And then you're stuck there for 125 years before yeah. you move on. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think Michael Keaton for sure. I, I mean, it, it is such a memorable character. And I, I always, I've said this in another podcast episode, I like movies, regardless of how serious or dramatic or, you know, something like this is meant more for a comedy. Uh, and, when you can tell when people are having fun yeah. doing what they're doing. And I yeah. think this, I think this movie is a great example of that. Like you can just tell that everybody's committed to like what they're doing in here. Yeah. And so it, it allows a character like Beetlejuice. That's so bizarre um, to, to uh, stand out. And I was trying to read some stuff. I mean, it's always internet research. So it's really like, you know, how, how factual is this? But you know, a lot, uh, it seemed like a lot of people wrote about how a lot of his stuff was, uh, improvised that he, you know, that he was doing in it and stuff like that. But I, I mean, uh, but yeah. I mean, it's always great to see Catherine O'Hara, of course, you know, and so, uh, she, she always kills it. And even though I know a writer, I don't know if this is blasphemy. It's never been like, uh, actress that I've been just naturally drawn to or yeah. just like have love for whatever reason you could definitely especially for a younger actress you could really tell that like she had the chops to uh, yeah. stick with all these other uh, pretty seasoned uh, actors and actresses yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, yeah and then uh, of course with any like Tim Burton I, the musical score is awesome with from Dan, <laughs> from Danny Elfman um and so that's just something uh i mean i think in a good way uh scores have gotten a little bit uh you know they're with Trent Reznor doing a lot of musical scores for movies you know they've become a little bit more out of the box which has been really welcome but yeah. there is something to like especially the opening credits of this just the the heft of a orchestra you know that's like yeah, panning across this very like calm little model like yeah. contrasted with that music yeah 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 and I, I it's it's very simple but just how like it ends up on the house and then you see the tarantula crawl over <laughs> the house and yeah. it just it sets you up just perfectly for like you know the type of experience that you're gonna have with this yeah. movie there are a lot of little moments of foreshadowing like that. Um, like when they're trying to move the sculpture in and it kind of pins her to the house and she's like, Oh, I don't want to die with my own sculpture. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and then also like the thing she's most scared of is being embarrassed at a dinner party. And then 
that completely happens. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of little like here it comes. Get yeah. ready. It's almost like I'm completely on board with this movie for a long time, but like there's just something about the ending that the wheels kind of fall off for mm -hmm. me and make me end up not just liking it. Uh, even though there's a lot of stuff visually happening, and I think this can be a, a, a criticism that you find in a lot of Tim Burton movies, is just like kind of like a lot of flash, but not a lot of substance. And yeah. just the whole like, you know, Gina Davis is outside, and then all of a sudden she's on top of one of the sand worms and it swallows yes, Beetlejuice. She got it. Yeah, that whole just like rapid, like ba 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 ba, and then we're done. I, you yeah. know, I, I felt I felt like it was a cheap way to conclude this movie you know it's yeah. almost like it's almost like if we if we show them all this stuff maybe they won't think about you know it's like they presented a lot of good ideas but they just didn't know how to wrap things up but i don't know if you felt the same way yeah um it was really bonkers um that ending because it's so dramatic and so terrible and i remember this being one of the things that just freaked me out as a kid is when they're trapped in their old wedding clothes. Yeah. And they start to fall apart. And oh my gosh, what is happening? But also it seems like that's when the script is also saying, oh my gosh, what is happening? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I think uh, Lydia's dad tells like Otto, he's like, what's happening? And he's like, I don't know. And um, yeah, I feel like, so such a long time in the movie, maybe halfway in the movie until we get to meet Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice, right? Mm -hmm. saying, there's a lot of buildup for the exposition. And he's definitely scary and has these really scary moments, but as much as that was built up, it does seem like defeating him and making sure he doesn't marry a child bride. Like, it was kind of anticlimactic, right? Mm -hmm. like, like you're saying like, okay, now a sandworm eats him. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. And as a grown up, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like at the very, very end, Lydia got an A on her test and they get to have like a Harry Belafonte number. It just seemed like, okay, we'll patch it up this way and everyone thinks happy. But also, I can't, like, I could be really nitpicky, but I do look happy. <laughs> At the end, after that little yeah. Fonte number with the ghostly football team, for some reason, they showed up for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it does seem just kind of cut and pasted together there at the end. Yeah. When when uh, Adam and Barbara are in their uh, wedding gowns, and it, it, it came out after Beetlejuice, but it, it made me think of... Uh, the Little Mermaid actually, and the the, yes. the little like when the they're poor unfortunate souls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, I don't think there's any correlation between the two, but except uh, that that also terrified me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> Movie musings. I know you. I think pretty well, you know, after all these years. So about yeah. may, maybe maybe I'll learn a little something uh, about you. Uh, I mean, I this. am a woman of mystery. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the first question I have for you, and I think you might have already answered this. Uh, you brought up a good point with <laughs> this vacation and uh, them being trapped in their house. But how, how would you handle being trapped in your house during the afterlife? 
if you're oh. a <laughs> yeah i don't know am i trapped with anybody else or am i by myself no, I think maybe the same concept. Let's say, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, let's uh, let's bring in Mark into this. You okay. and Mark are <laughs> are um, secluded to your house. How how would you how would you handle this situation? Well, I think one thing that would help me get by is that I'm assuming animals could see me. So I'd be like, at least someone outside can see me. They don't have to have the gift or the sight because they're animals and they can sense these things. Like, um, we have had several moments of our dogs just staring at a wall and then they'll like raise their hackles and, and it's really freaky. Um, so hopefully there was no one trapped in the house at that time. Um, but yeah, so I think that would like try to be the way that I coped with having some, uh, connection with the outside world. I guess I'd probably read a lot of books, but then I'd get so fed up, I'd start throwing the books. I don't know. I have no clue what I would do. I just, I don't even know. That just sounds like 125 years. That's terrible. <laughs> I might welcome newcomers into the house just for some entertainment. And then I think like once I really got into the swing of things, maybe after 20 or 30 years, I could like, we could start making games. Mark and I like with the people in the house of like, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> I'm going to do this to him again. The, the, uh, the attic fans just going to come on <laughs> like, really mess with them. And they keep pouring money into trying to fix the attic fan and it never gets fixed. Yeah. 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 I, uh, that just reminds me of a story and, uh, may, maybe hopefully this is something, uh, our mom and dad will listen to. And he knows this story, but, uh, <laughs> during Christmas one year, I just, there was a string of lights around the outside door frame, uh, to the, the pathway that led to our car report. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I don't know why I did, but every once in a while I would just unscrew uh, yes. light bulb. I would unscrew a light bulb just yeah. randomly, just, just one. <laughs> and I never, I never told dad about it. And, you know, ultimately it would always like be back on and I, you know, I just do this randomly. It wasn't until like years I don't even know how it got brought up, but he was like, Oh my God, that was you. And apparently, <laughs> apparently this would cause him to like unplug everything, test all the light bulbs. And anyway, so I, I thought it was, I thought it was innocent enough to, you know, well, our dad he, is so meticulous. He notices anything and everything. So yeah. 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 So, so yeah. So if we had somebody like our dad, like in the house that we were haunting, we, yeah, we, we, we would probably both have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. And now uh, in the age of podcasts, like maybe our exploits could, you know, land the house on the map of spooky places to visit. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I'm actually going to go to a wedding tomorrow night at the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, which is supposedly haunted. There's a lot of lore around it. Oh. I don't know. Maybe some poor folks have not called Beetlejuice yet. Hopefully we don't <laughs> call them tomorrow night. Yeah. Have you heard about the haunted hotel uh, in downtown Oklahoma City? No. Oh, well, you haven't? I don't think so. 
Oh yeah. Um, the Skirvin, um, in downtown Oklahoma city. Uh, I won't go into here. Just, uh, give it a good Google and, okay. uh, yeah, y'all, <laughs> you'll find out. And we have a store, Whitney and I stayed there one time and we can, we can actually back up some of this, uh, some of the folklore about it. So anyway, Ooh. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So for my second one, if people didn't know you're a terrific artist, so I wanted to get your professional opinion. Our, <laughs> our, our Delia sculptures, uh, Catherine O'Hara plays Delia. Uh, so are they like a better terms in your professional opinion, are her sculptures good? I don't know. Her agent thinks she's trash, which is really unfortunate that like she has to impress her own agent at this dinner party that goes horribly <laughs> wrong. And he ends it by being, I don't remember the quotation, but he's basically like, you're the worst and your art is bad and I'm out. And that's gotta be pretty devastating. But by the end, when they're learning how to coexist with their ghost friends, um behind her you can see her on the cover of art news so mm. she made it so i mean is she, you know there's that it's kind of weird because it's like yeah the sculptures are pretty ugly but also they're like definitely tim Burton's signature style mm -hmm. like his creatures like i could just see like his stamp on all of the visuals here and like even in like Nightmare Before Christmas, like those are his creatures for sure. So it's like, I don't know. I probably, if I went into a gallery, I would not want to sit and take it all in <laughs> for a while. And for me, if I read the title card longer than I look at the artwork, then I'm not into it. <laughs> yeah, got it. <laughs> um, Okay, so I, I'm not gonna do uh, Winona Ryder impersonation, but I <laughs> I love it. I love this quote from the movie. Uh, she says, "Well, I read through the handbook for the recently deceased. It says live people ignore the strange and unusual. <laughs> I myself am strange and unusual. So yeah, so and she turns her head turn like she turns her head. Yeah, yeah, perfectly for that line. Yeah." Yeah. So my question to you is, are you strange and unusual? Mm -hmm. And if so, what do you see that others don't? Ghost. No, I'm just <laughs> um, <laughs> They were in your childhood room all the time. Um, <laughs> you never told me? <laughs> no, it's like you with the Christmas light bulb. Except yeah. more maniacal. Yeah. Um, I think I am strange and unusual. Um, I think I notice a lot of things that maybe other people don't notice and I'm not about to be like, mm, I'm like such an empath and I just feel things, but I am really in tune with like the temperature of a situation more than other people, like more aware of friction or tension or mood so but i don't really think that's what makes me strange and unusual i think what makes me strange and unusual is that i watched a lot of movies like beetlejuice as a kid um <laughs> in peewee's big adventure um yeah those are all big staples in my life 
And I think I've always been kind of drawn towards darker, more morbid things or more um, tragic things, again, with movies that we probably shouldn't have watched. Do you remember when Burger King did those promotions where we could get videotapes? That's how sure. we got this family. Yeah, it was, it was, I, it, it, I'm sorry, I'm going to correct you. It, it was actually McDonald's, I believe. But, really? I thought yeah. sure it was Burger King, but I yep. believe you. Um, but more to the point, we got Dances with Wolves that way. Yep. <laughs> I watched that movie over and over and over again at age seven or eight, maybe. <laughs> That's pretty messed up. Um, so yeah, I'd say that movies that we shouldn't have watched probably made me strange and unusual. And my main takeaway from all of Kevin Costner's glory is to Tonka. <laughs> <laughs> it probably deserves like a rewatch. It might, that might actually be a good one uh, for this because it's been so long, but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, uh, especially the opening uh, scene uh, with the, the, that guy who, or his leg is about to get amputated, I think. Yeah. So anyway. And a big old pile of <laughs> shoes that still have feet in them outside the door. And they were flies. <laughs> well, I, I I don't know if there's other podcasts out there that bridge from Beetlejuice to uh, Dancing Wolf Wolves, but uh, yeah, but um, so well, that's, I want to throw it back at you. Are you yourself strange and unusual? Um, I, I don't think anybody has ever used those two words to describe me at all, and so I your daughters. Um, no, but there's probably moments where I, I might play some of the music that I grew up listening to a little uh -huh. bit. So I think people are always a little shocked to, you know, discover that like I, I could, I could listen to some pretty like, you know, hard, hardcore music every once in a while and yeah. that sort of thing. And so anyway, I'm getting a little less, uh, uh, I'm still kind of embarrassed by it, but but it's also more popular now. But I, I think when people realize that, like I grew up as a wrestling professional wrestling fan, oh, yeah. they, they always kind of yeah. give me this side eye a little, a little bit. So anyway, but I will say I took Hallie, you know, to a show not too long ago, maybe last year to a WWE show uh -huh. and, and, and she had never like really seen it on TV really. Yeah. And it, it was a lot of fun. Cause it's just to see, it was almost like, when I showed Beetlejuice to her the first time, <laughs> kind of like, wait, what, what is this world? Was, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a good answer. It was a very like similar experience, you know? So yeah. anyway, so, and also, you know, even almost the same reaction of like, she's like, they're not really hitting each other, you know, her skepticism, but then something big would happen and she'd totally yeah. like, you know, get into it. So you're going yeah. for the chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, so, uh, with all that said, you watching it now, I, I, is, is this a movie that you, you know, recommend other people watching? Um, mm, with a grain of salt. Right. So it did like, for our folks, no, <laughs> but like they would not be interested. But if you like weird stuff and like, yeah, I want to see something weird that's a cult classic. 
And I would 100% be like, well, put this in. And if you were like, I'm interested in the cultural changes of special effects, then um, I'd be, you know, like pre Y2K stuff, I'd be like, yes, check, check, check. Or if it was like a Michael Keaton marathon, like Turner Classic Movies used to do, like for Yul Brenner. Yeah. It, like it'd be, you know, it'd, it'd probably be Batman and it'd probably be that one about drumming Birdman. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't the drumming one. <laughs> anyway, no. um, they'd no. probably throw, I'd be like, throw in some Beetlejuice in there too, just so you get the full Michael Keaton effect. Um, so yeah, I feel like like some of my friends want to do 31 Halloween -y movies. Be like, yeah, definitely this one. But I don't know. I I don't think that other than that, I wouldn't be like, yeah, you have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see the beginning of Tim Burton's work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think I think if anybody gave a chance, I, I think it's uh, such a unique uh, experience that I think for sure people need to see it. I don't think it's, uh, uh, I don't think it's a movie that is bad. And I, I think it's really enjoyable. I mean, I don't, after it's done, you'd be like, well, that, that was an experience. And I think overall, you know, a good experience. Yeah. Uh, holding it up as like one of the best comedies ever, certainly no, but there's yeah. so much, uh, stuff that's going on that's just so different I, I think more more of his recent stuff like i haven't i haven't been naturally drawn to yeah but definitely definitely beetlejuice is the thing that really you know kicked it off i will say that it's a good movie to see because i don't think i've ever seen anything like it since right and that's right. that's saying something because even though like it's got Burden stamp, like his whole movie is the stamp. Like these are all quintessentially Tim Burden things. Mm -hmm. His future movies like don't have anything like this. And um, yeah, I've just there's nothing else like it. <laughs> yep, yep, it's good. And like you said, like for especially if you're not someone who like <laughs> likes to watch movies like Saul, like during Halloween, you know, Beetlejuice is a good. I think a good kind of fun movie to watch that kind of gives you a, you know, kind of gets you in the spirit of the season, but you know, it's not too like, you know, too, yeah. too hardcore, you know? So yeah, it's still very accessible too. And it's weirdness. Like, I don't know if you've seen this other cult classic. It's a Japanese movie from the seventies called house. Some of the no. weirdness in that movie, like, Beetlejuice reminded me of that quite a bit. Um, just weird visual effects and kind of seemingly random things thrown in there. Um, and how it also felt a little bit disjointed, but like house is not accessible. <laughs> it's not going to be like something that everyone can enjoy or when your kids are not four and they're older, they can enjoy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine trying to show my four-year-old Beetlejuice. That would be so terrifying for him. But, <laughs> yeah, it's it really straddles a lot of. It plays to a lot of different audiences. I think that people that like 
spooky things will love it. People who like quirky comedies will love it. People who like to see their favorite stars being super young will really love it. Like, oh, this is one of their first whatever. Yeah. 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 And and the the scene, the dinner table scene is just it's amazing. And like <laughs> I mean, that scene in itself, I it just you know, it's like almost like I defy you not to smile like while watching it. It's just it, it's a great scene. And so sometimes movies just need those one or two um, really memorable scenes that, uh -huh. oh, I don't mean this in a negative way, but may have people think that it's better than it actually is. And I think yeah. Beetle, I think Beetlejuice is that because of the moments yeah. with Michael Keaton, the dinner table scene. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think definitely it's almost even though they're not the best movie but something you definitely should have in your like film history you know uh bag so to speak yeah uh, also just the contrast of the song deo with the whole surroundings in the movie it is such a sharp contrast from everything that has to do with that movie which makes it that scene extra wonderful um yeah that's just nuts. It's just a bonkers, <laughs> wonderful movie. And I've seen so many things online and sometimes in person of people doing their Halloween costumes based on this movie. And not just um, not just Barbara and Adam where they try to make their face look really creepy with the yeah, <laughs> but uh, characters that are in the waiting room in the death office or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people going for the Halloween looks from this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh well I appreciate you uh taking the time to come on and yeah. yeah. And so um I just want to remind everybody, visit moviesarelife.com uh for moviesarelife.com. Yeah, episodes, reviews, and more. Uh, we're out there in the social media world. Uh and so if you're not sure how to listen to us, just reach out. And we can definitely uh, get you connected that way. So uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, and remember, Jesse, to always jump in the line and rock your body <laughs> in time. Okay. I believe you. Okay, good. All right. Well, well, I'm sure we'll talk soon. Maybe we'll see each other during the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.